You're listening to the Save the Marriage Podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Hey, thanks for joining us. I'm glad you're here for this podcast. Um, right now, I'm, I'm going to be on vacation a bit, and so I'm thinking a little more lightly. And, uh, you know, I always think of this time of year about how quickly time is passing. You know, here we are uh, already into August and not much more time before most people are going to be going back to school. And I think about those transi- transition times and I think about all the things that happen in a relationship during those transition times. Sometimes uh, the summer months are very difficult on marriages for a couple of reasons. One is that's a lot of times when there's a transition period, right, for families. And so some people decide to take action on some underlying feelings at this point. Uh, sometimes people make it to the end of a school year and decide it's time to separate. Sometimes people make it to the end of the summer and then decide to separate. And a lot of times it's surprising to the spouse. They didn't see it coming. And so I'm always just mindful this time of year of the people who might be in the midst of being surprised by being in a marriage crisis. So uh, at the same time, I'm also aware of the lighter side of uh, of this time of year. You know, we they take things just a little less seriously right now. We take things a little easier. There's a little more laid back feel to things. And so there's this this back and forth of that, right? There's There, there can be extra tensions in a relationship this time of year, but there also can be a lot more playful times and, and joyful times. And so you're here likely because you're trying to get beyond a marriage crisis. Maybe that crisis has already passed and you're just doing some repair work. Maybe you see it brewing or maybe you're in the midst of it. So what I want to do on this podcast is talk about a list that I put together. It's kind of a top 10 list. The top 10 list is probably not what you're expecting. This is the top 10 ways to not save your marriage. Some of this is a little tongue-in-cheek, but these are the ways to not save your marriage. And and even though I may say them as tongue-in-cheek, I mean every one of them as important information. So this is the top 10 list. Thank you to Letterman and all the others for giving us the top 10 list that's so succinctly put into something uh, what we all need to understand. And so without any further ado, I want to just jump into this top 10 list and I hope that you find something useful in it and give you something to reflect on about what you're doing to deal with your own relationship. So number 10 is do nothing. Don't worry. The crisis, the problem, situation, the incident, the threat, etc. will pass. So the number number 10 thing to not do, to do to not save your marriage. This is the top 10 ways to not save your marriage. Number 10, do nothing, don't worry. It'll pass. This is the old bury your head in the sand approach and in reality it's very unlikely that a crisis will simply pass. Now, sometimes people think it's past, you know, that the crisis kind of dies away a little bit and there's less desperation to it, but Let's be honest, every time this strategy only builds up more resentment, and then finally everything falls apart. Now you can act surprised at that point, but you'll know deep down inside that you ignored things for way too long. You see, it's a cumulative effect, a marriage crisis is. It rarely is one of those overnight kind of things. It may be a precipitating event that suddenly brings about the crisis, but the problem has probably been something that's been ignored for a long time. And and what's been happening is that the ignoring of it is kind of like building a house of cards. It only takes one little thing to topple it all over, and suddenly everything falls apart. 
So let's just right off the bat say that the top 10, number 10 thing to, is to do nothing. Number nine is to refuse to get any outside help. You know, who needs it? You could do this all by yourself, right? You see, when you're in the middle of a marriage crisis, it's time to, it's not the time to figure it out. It's not the time to try to figure out how all this fits together. One of my favorite quotes is from Albert Einstein, who said, the same level of thinking that created the problem will not solve the problem. In other words, when we use the same thought processes that we've been using that have now gotten us into trouble, those same thought processes are not going to lead us out of trouble. So we all get stuck in our thought patterns. Everybody does. Everybody gets stuck in our thought patterns, and once you establish them, we don't change them much. So think about it. Don't all of your arguments kind of follow the same pattern? Doesn't your daily routine pretty much follow the same pattern? We like sameness. Change is always a bit of a threat. Even the painful sameness is better than the unknown. At least that's what we tend to believe. The problem is we find ourselves stuck, and without outside help and information, nothing will change even if we want it to. Refusing outside help is one way to not save your marriage. Sometimes what you need from outside help is just a different perspective. Somebody who can point something out. It doesn't necessarily have to be a therapist. In fact, it may very well not be a therapist that does that. A friend may be able to point it out. A trusted colleague may be able to point it out. But somebody who can help you see something differently. A book might do that. A video might do that. A workshop might do that. Something comes along. But when you refuse to get any outside help, you're closing around that thought process. You're creating a place of freezing the pattern in place. One of the things I've noticed when I'm working with couples is if I ask them this question, it's almost always true. I ask them about the first serious argument they ever had. Not the little, I don't want to eat there, you do kind of things, unless that really blew up into something big. I'm talking about the, you know, the first really big, wow, that was, that was an argument. That was a disagreement. And I ask them to tell me about it. They talk about it some, and I ask them if there's anything about that argument that is still true in the arguments they're having now, and almost always they're having the exact same argument today that they had when they first started arguing. And some of the couples will tell me they only argue once a year, but that one argument is about the same the same theme. It may not be the exact same thing, but it's the same theme They get stuck in the same processes. We all do that. So getting outside help is a way of bringing in a new perspective. Okay, so number nine, refuse to get any outside help. Who needs it? You can do this yourself, right? Number eight, top way to not save your marriage is to grab some free advice. Hey, free is good, right? Well, almost always, free advice is worth about that. Nothing. When you're injured, do you seek out some free advice on that injury? Or when you need some legal advice, do you just get some free advice? So why, when the most important relationship is on the line, would you just try to use some free advice? We live in a transaction society. We make trades and transactions to get what we don't have. And knowledge is no different. People who give away advice are rarely giving away anything worthwhile. The real question, if free is your goal, is how much do you really treasure your relationship? So if I told you how to save $20,000 instantly, would you pay for that? 
Well, that's the minimal cash value of a failed marriage. In other words, a divorce in the U.S. averages $20,000. Save your marriage, save $20,000. That doesn't even include all of the extra costs. That's the direct cost. What about having a wonderful, loving, peaceful marriage? What is that worth, really? What price would you put on that? I ask because I know plenty of people who think nothing of grabbing a $4 coffee drink every day, a couple of three pack, $3 packs of cigarettes every day, a $30 bottle of wine on the weekend, subscribe to a $100, $200 cable system, and it goes on and on. But when they go looking for advice on what's going on wrong with their marriage, they want some free advice. It's always about value, and it's about the value you place on your marriage. So free advice is probably going to be more costly than you realize in the long run. So number eight way to not save your marriage, grab some free advice. Hey, free's good, right? Okay, number seven, get some good books, then leave them on the book stand. Maybe your spouse will at least think you're doing something. We authors don't like to admit this, but statistics show that upwards of 80% of self-help books that are bought are never read. Imagine that. The answer might be right there on your bedside stand. You took the time to get a resource, either because the book looked nice, someone recommended it, or because you were desperate. Then on to the bedside stand it goes underneath the magazines, the daily paper, the good novel, then suddenly it's lost. The very bit of information that could save your marriage stuck at the bottom of a stack, never to be read. Sound familiar? If so, time to dust off the information and give it a read. At least give it a chance. You've already invested the money in it. Why not give it a test drive? There are lots of resources out there that can give you help, but you've got to take advantage of the help that's out there. So the number seven way to not save your marriage is to get some good books and then leave them on the book stand. Your hope might be that it looks good, but nothing comes of it. So the number six top way to not save your marriage, read the information, but then don't do anything. It won't work in your situation anyway, right? Okay, so you dusted off the information, you even read it, but then you took no action. Maybe the information seemed impossible, far-fetched, too easy, too complicated, or just dead wrong. Now you do need to use your better judgment because there's lots of bad information out there, and some of it might do more harm than good, but you're a good judge of that, right? But perhaps it's worth a try. Sometimes things make us feel uncomfortable. That doesn't mean they're wrong. It just means that they're stretching us. They're making us grow some. And sometimes we've got to get uncomfortable with that. So you have to really check and say, is this something that I don't like because it's wrong? Or is it something I don't like because it pushes me? See, what you've been doing has clearly not getting the results you wanted. So perhaps it's time to try something new. Sometimes new thinking seems foreign and unnatural. But it's really like anything new. Repetition builds skill. What seems awkward begins to feel natural. Suddenly what seemed impossible seems elementary. Again, remember Einstein's quote, doing what you've done hasn't gotten you what you want. So what's the risk of trying something different? So the number six top way to not save your marriage is read that information, then do nothing. Number five top way. To not save your marriage is get bad information from unqualified sources. Hey, any information is better than no information, right? As you already discovered, there are lots of, quote, experts willing to help you, quote, save your marriage. Be sure your expert really is that. At a minimum, make sure they actually have some training, not just their own experience of what they did in their relationship. 
They don't have to have a PhD, but if they can't tell you about their training other than been there, done that, look elsewhere. Experts are experts because they've worked in the field, received training, and have some ideas on how to help you. The others are experts in marketing, and you want to be sure and distinguish between the two. You remember way back when the barbers who cut hair were also the doctors, and I put that in quotes. They weren't trained. They caused lots of damage, but that was the only choice out there. Well, we don't live in the Wild West anymore, and there are plenty of real experts out there. Get their advice and avoid the damage of well-meaning, but ill-equipped, and I put it in quotes, experts. So the number five top way to not save your marriage, get bad information from unqualified sources. Because any information is better than no information, right? Number four, top way to not save your marriage. Do everything at once. Because, hey, if a little is good, a lot is better, right? Wrong. Many marriages have suffered from neglect for far too long until one day someone wakes up and says, enough. Then the other person jumps into high gear. I just talked with someone the other day that was telling me this was it. He was, man, he was fired up about the changes he needed to make in his life, and he was going full bore and scaring his wife to death. So people jump into the high gear, and they try to make date nights, and they do meaningful conversation, and they start doing housework, and they go grab another job, and they do just about anything to try to make it work. The problem is it's unsustainable and a little bit shocking to the other person. They don't know what to wake of it, to make of it, and guess what? You set yourself up. Because once you've started all of that, how can you sustain that in a normal life? So instead, pick a couple of things and be consistent with them. Try a slow approach, not a standstill approach, not a zero movement. Building from zero does take time. But if you try the everything-at-once approach, you will scare your spouse away. This is like any change in life. You want to tackle one little change, and it leads to another little change. Several years back, I had an illness, a pretty serious illness. It was pretty life-threatening, and we thought it might be life-ending. But when I recovered from it, I decided I needed to really actually take care of myself for a change. I hadn't been doing that. I had been doing lots of other things, but not taking care of myself. And so what I discovered is that every little thing I did resulted in another bigger change. So when I started eating right, after a while I started exercising. Why? Because if I was going to watch what I was going to eat, I wasn't going to mess that up. So then I started exercising. And guess what? When I was exercising, I wanted to eat even better. Why? Because if I was going to put that much effort into it, I sure didn't want to blow it at the table. So each step led to another step. Habits changed themselves. I started sleeping better. I started making sure that the the area around me for sleeping was a better way of doing it. And so I started going to bed earlier and I started getting up at a better time and I started doing things along the way. So you start taking vitamins and that leads to other things. And pretty soon you're doing lots of habits, but you don't start with all of them all at once. You build them in one at a time or two at a time. So pick a couple of things and do them. So the number four way, top way, to not save your marriage is to do everything at once. Figure out that something's wrong and so you do everything at once. It will not be sustainable and it will scare your spouse. Okay, the number three 
top way to not save your marriage is to argue, beg, plead, and show your emotions. Surely your spouse will see your insincerity to save the marriage. Now, this is a very common situation. You see, we're all master scriptwriters, often ready for Hollywood, at least in our own minds. We assume a spouse will see the wisdom of our logic, our emotions, our begging and pleading, and the problem is they also are writing a script, but it's a different script. And the problem with this is that if I throw someone a rope, when they grab it, I start pulling, their reflex is going to pull back, matching power with power. It's no different in verbal tug-of-war. The harder I try to convince someone of something counter to what they have said, the reflex for that person to become even more entrenched in the belief is there. So the arguing, the reasoning, the begging, the pleading have the opposite effect and usually hasten the dissolution of the relationship. If you think your emotions are suddenly going to stir them, you are not clear about how disconnected you have become. Not only that, but you're not aware of a term called psychological reactance, that even if your spouse was a little bit in agreement with you, if they feel forced and pushed, they will naturally pull the other way. So using those displays, using those manipulations, only get you the opposite of what you want. So the number three top way to not save your marriage is argue, beg, plead, and show your emotions. That will show your spouse. The number two way to not save your marriage is to let your spouse know your theory about how this is really about their issue. Then they will see how unhealthy they are. So this is how you throw even more gas on a fire. When your spouse says that he or she wants to leave, you point out how it is A, their midlife crisis, B, how they're never satisfied, C, really about their dysfunctional family they grew up in, or D, some other diagnosis you read about or saw on Oprah or Dr. Phil. Now, here's the deal. You may be dead on. It may be a midlife crisis. It may be depression. It may be lots of different things. But you're not going to be seen as an objective provider of a diagnosis. Instead, all you will do is strengthen the sense of frustration that your spouse is feeling. You see, what you're going to be doing is saying to them, this is your fault. And they don't want to hear that when they are feeling the time, it's time to leave. So all you do is add fuel to that fire. You're reasoning with them, trying to get them to see the truth, and you might even have a fact. You might even have something correct. They will not be able to hear it. Diagnosis, if it's best done at all, is done best by an expert, someone outside of you, an impartial outside view, someone who can look from a distance. What often happens is we start throwing those things at our spouse and they feel first like they've been blamed and second like they haven't been heard. And the last thing you want to have happen in the midst of a marriage crisis is to have a spouse feel unheard. So the number two top way to not save your marriage is to let your spouse know your theory about how this is really about his or her issue so they can understand just how unhealthy they are. 
Okay, so now we've arrived at the number one top re- way to not save your marriage. Number one top way is to try to prove how much you need them. Surely just seeing they are needed will get them to stay. Now here's the deal. Neediness is never, ever attractive. And when someone wants to leave, feeling the neediness only throws fuel on the fire. People want to be wanted, but not desperately needed. Because if they feel needed, it's not about you wanting them to be in the relationship. It's about the fact they need to be in the relationship to somehow help you. So in the midst of a crisis, the last thing someone wants to feel is manipulated. I have seen people threaten to kill themselves to prove how much they need the other person. I've seen people refuse to pay bills, refuse to eat, refuse to take care of the kids, refuse to take care of the house, and on and on and on it goes. And in every case, the person who wants to wants out says, See, look at this person. This is why I have to get away. And it's hard to argue with that. Being needy is never attractive. It's even more so when someone wants nothing more than to be needed. So when they don't want to be needed, they, they don't want to hear about what you need. People respond to being wanted. There's a desperate difference between being wanted and feeling needed. So the number one way to not save your marriage is to try to prove just how much you need them. Because surely they'll see that if you need them, they're going to stay. Okay, that's my list. Let me invite you to add to that. What's your list? What's your number one, number two? I invite you to send that to me at podcast at savethemarriage.com. Just email it to me, and we'll pick that up on another future podcast. But give me a chance to hear what you think of that list and what you think is your list at podcast at savethemarriage.com. And while I'm sending you somewhere, I want you to go to my blog and read and get more information there. You can find that at savethemarriageblog.com. Savethemarriageblog.com will get you to the information. And by the way, if you have other topics you want to have answered, you want things to talk about, you want questions answered, information you need, send those requests to podcast at savethemarriage.com. And now it's time for me to get back to vacation. So I wish you the best as you continue to work to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.